0: And... What's good, y'all? What's good, everybody? Welcome to September, and welcome to another episode of the I'm a, Tell like a T.I. Is podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam packed show. Excuse the noise outside, that's uh, grass being cut outside of the studio here at home. Um, but we got a jam packed show for you today. I'm going to lead off with the NBA playoffs, of course. I'm going to touch on the postseason contenders in Major League Baseball as we enter in the last month of the uh, two-and-a-half-month sprint that is the 60-game MLB season. I'm going to touch on the 25th anniversary of Cal Ripken's 21-31 consecutive game streak, which is today, September the 6th. And he tied it, of course, on September the 5th with 21-30. I'll touch on that later on in the program. I got some NFL news to get to as far as extensions and signings and players getting cut and things of that nature are concerned. And then, of course, I will give you my 2020 NFL season predictions and give you my pick for the kickoff game this this upcoming Thursday between the Houston Texans. And the Can- and the Super Bowl Fifty Five, no, Super Bowl Fifty Four champion, Kansas City Chiefs. But first things first. Um, outside of last week, where I have, where I had, I had no choice but to lead with the Jacob Blake, uh, with the Jacob Blake incident. But we'll do, we'll do the sports, all sports for this show for you, because it's a busy time in sports, and we'll lead with what I've pretty much led with, outside of. Uh, Outside of essentially, uh, you know, baseball about in the middle of July and and uh, Jacob Blake and uh, the last uh, I'm gonna leave with the basketball in the NBA playoffs um, and we'll go pretty much go down the go down the list here. Um, Rockets uh, escaped and boy did they escape uh, and, and I tell you and Stephen A. Smith made a point um, on first take uh, earlier this past week and i don't think that he was too far from it where if the where if the houston rockets would have lost a first round playoff series To the Oklahoma City Thunder with Russell Westbrook, albeit he was hurt the majority of the series. But you know James Harden. I hear James Harden. This James Harden. That James Harden. Superstar. James Harden's the greatest shooter. Greatest offensive scorer in the history of the game. This, this, that, and the other. And if they did not beat, and if they could not have beaten an Oklahoma City Thunder team that wasn't even projected to make the playoffs at the start of the season. What's going on? What about a year now? <laughs> I mean, think about it. We're still in the same NBA season, and and these teams were prepping for this NBA season last September, last October. But if if they would have lost, you would have you would have definitely made the argument that Mike D'Antoni had to go from the many of choke jobs against, um, of course, Golden State, to not getting the job done uh, in many a time in the playoffs. Uh, you could have made the argument that it was time for Mike D'Antoni to go, but they escaped one hundred and four to one hundred and two. Um, uh, James Harden, who who was abysmal offensively, abysmal, was four fifteen from the field, one of nine shooting threes. And put up 17 points together, Who was abysmal in the game, and he would have gotten destroyed, and rightfully so. James Harden, everyone, every single time I turn around, I hear James Harden's greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, did absolutely nothing, nothing offensively in the game, but he made up for it with a key block that he made in the last uh, in the last minute of that of that game seven. Um, on the uh, on a three point pass or excuse me on a three point shot with uh, what's what's see what time was that that was let's see this was at f- about uh, four and a half four seconds left in the fourth quarter. They they mean it saved the game it saved the game if if James Harden does not block that shot it's one o five it's one o five one o three uh, Oklahoma City and uh, Harden's uh, head coach. Uh, Mike D'Antoni will be uh, when they when he leaves the bubble to go back to Houston. He'll be cleaning out his office because uh, because if if he if if Daryl if uh, if Mike D'Antoni would have survived that series, having lost to the fifth seed Little Oklahoma City Thunder with Chris Paul that has made it known in his career that he's never done a thing in the postseason. If they would have lost Oklahoma City and having traded Chris Paul and have gotten Russell Westbrook, he would never have survived. But they did. James Harden, who, who, again, was disgusting in Game 7. But made a phenomenal block at the end of the game, which saved them. But can someone please explain to me at the end of that sequence of that game seven, with a with a second and a tenth left, one point one seconds left on the clock, which and I swear to God that the Rockets, not the Rockets, the the, the Thunder must have taken three timeouts. You know, it, it stalled the game uh, ten minutes. But can someone please explain to me what the heck that sequence was at the end of the game? Okay, the refs. They got a ref up top that calls a, fa- that calls a foul. Billy Donovan and and, uh, and, uh, and 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 Chris Paul are like, wait, the foul was called before we called timeout. So they got to go to the replay, which takes 39 minutes. They go to the replay, they see yes, the foul was uh, you know uh, a foul was called and off the ball foul was called before the before the um, for the passing at the end of at, you know off coming off the turnover. Coming off the turnover, so we take thirty minutes to figure that out, and then they send them and then they send them to the line it was It was a fluky, quirky rule. they sent the rockets to win and they got, they could send anybody that they want. And instead they and who did they send and they sent this guy up to the line that missed that missed a free throw which uh, why why they didn't send Chris Paula out to the line or uh why they didn't send Chris Paul out to the line or uh or Stephen Adams who was two of three shooting free throws and chris paul was was uh was six for six shooting free throws and night. Why they didn't send any... They could have sent anybody they want, and they didn't send either of those two. So that I don't understand under, under any circumstances. But so they missed the free throw at the end of the game. So then they inbounded on 1.1 seconds, and the play completely blows up. No one tried to create any separation whatsoever. They were trying to get the ball to Stephen Adams, but Steven Adams essentially, you know, it's like when I when I first started playing sports, my dad told me this all the time. An athlete is 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 not effective and is not and is essentially useless in a game if he stops moving his feet. And what I saw was a bunch of uh, was a bunch. Of Thunder players that had their feet stuck in quicksand, Stephen Adams especially did not try to set a pick, did not try to you know move around, set screens. It was, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible sequence at the end of the game, and and so uh, the the Thunder end up going home and losing the game 104 to 102. That's item number one. Item number two is the game one between the Rockets and the Lakers. Which they beat the Rockets, or which, which the Rockets beat the Lakers, 112 to 97. And James Harden, I, I give him credit. He rebounded. He shot 12 of 20 from the field, uh, shot 50% from from three, and put up 36 points. So I give James Harden that. He rebounded nicely. Russell Westbrook didn't play bad either. Uh, 24 points. Got to do a little bit better than that. 10 of 24 is not ex- is not what you want from uh, Russell Westbrook and 1 of 5 shooting from three. Yeah, but he was decent performance. Uh, and they basically uh, they took advantage of the Lakers who struggled in Game One against the Portland Trailblazers last round. LeBron James made his presence known with a couple of highlight making blocks that he had in the game. He was 10 of 16 from from you know from the field. And scoring twenty five points, or excuse me, that's Anthony Davis. Excuse me, LeBron was seven of fifteen, shooting two of seven from three with twenty points. So LeBron, he had a he had hot, he made plenty of highlights defensively. But if you're LeBron James and you're going up against the Houston Rockets, a you don't want to give your opponent any hope. You know, it's it's bad enough that everyone thinks that the Rock, that the Lakers are just going to just. Uh, the Lakers just gonna just steamroll right through the Rockets, considering that James Harden and Westbrook historically never do a never do a thing in the postseason. Not to mention LeBron, I guess, was already annoyed because Jay Williams of ESPN, you know, I guess, compared him to Scottie Pippen or something, and LeBron James did not like that, so he came back and he fired shots. Angrily and aggressively had Jay Williams back on Twitter and everyone was like, yeah, that's right. The beast, the beast, the king is woken up and he is going and, you know, it's going to, it's not even going to be close with the Rockets in the series. And uh, But lo and behold, the Rockets pull, you know, what like essentially, whether it's having all that time off, whatever it might be, the Lakers, like they were in game one against Portland, were very, very, very spotty in the game. Uh, it, it also doesn't help that uh, KCP put up five points. Uh, JaVel McGee, who only played thirteen minutes, scored four. Uh, Green only put up ten. Kyle Kuzma coming off the bench with twenty, playing twenty-eight minutes, only put up eight points. I mean, so so, so Kyle, when you have KCP scoring five points and Kyle Kuzma putting up eight. Plus and LeBron James instead of him trying to enough with the, faci- I, I'm not interested in you being a facilitator, LeBron. I want you to, to, to I, I and the phenomenal effort on defense and you played a great game defensively, but LeBron I can't have you. I can't have him and Anthony Davis uh, combined playing playing what uh playing what uh what seventy what is that I can't have him playing seventy four minutes. Combined and having and only putting up uh 45 points. I can't have LeBron Anthony Davis making more money. He can shake a stick at playing 70 playing 74 minutes of a basketball game combined and only putting up 40 and only putting up 45 points. I can't have that. I also can't have KCP putting up five points, and I can't have Kyle Guzman coming off the bench. Playing twenty-eight minutes and scoring eight points. That that and three of not shooting three of nine from the field. One of four from three. And LeBron James two of seven from three. I, I I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. You, you cannot you cannot be, play a team in the Houston Rockets that literally takes three after three after three after three after three after three after three, after three with you know and I hear james Harness James that put up points which he did in this game, but you can't sit up you can't play behind when you're playing against Houston Rockets you can't because eventually the because eventually more times than not they're going to get into a groove and they're going to get into a point where every shot they put up is a three pointer and it and if and it miraculously falls in. You know, LeBron James can come by and block you know the easy layups, moving in transition, coast to coast. But when James Harden's wide open, wide open shooting threes, and he's making them, uh, f- and he's making them uh, 65, 70 percent of the time, you, you can't you can't play from behind. I can't have Anthony Davis put up. 20- LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they are too great. They are too great of a talent. They have too much expectations put on them, and they and they make too much money. To be putting up mediocre stats. 25, 20 points from LeBron James. That's me, that from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's mediocre. Y'all gotta score 30. y'all gotta give me 30 a game. Y'all gotta give me 30 a game. And I know KCP isn't uh it, it, I, I know KCP isn't uh Rajon Rondo in his prime, but you can't play 28 minutes and give me five points. And Kyle Kuzma coming off the bench playing twenty-eight minutes. Giving me eight points. That that, that, that that that's unacceptable. Hopefully they wake up later today, this afternoon, or is it, do they play tonight, today or tonight? But but, uh, but they play today regardless. Uh, tonight, so l- later tonight at eight thirty. Five five thirty out west. They they got to come ready to play. KCP can't fart around. Kyle Kuzma can't fart around. You got to get up and get ahead early on the Rockets. You cannot afford to play from behind because eventually. They're going to make so many threes that that margin is going to become so 3 points turn into 6 points, 6 points turn into 9 points, 9 points turn into 12 points, 12 points turns into 18 points, 18 points turns into 21 points. So you cannot play from behind when you're playing against Houston. From a team that shoots that many threes, you can't play behind. Because their shots are gonna fall, they're gonna get into a, a rhythm, you know, where they where every shot they put up goes in for an eight to ten minute period in the game. And you can't afford to play from behind. You you can't do it. You can't play. You can't play from behind against a team that shoots a million threes. Because when they shoot a million threes and they're falling in, uh, that margin's going that margin is going to get put so, with so big. And that and and the Lakers are a team that dominates in the paint with LeBron, Anthony Davis. They don't have three-point shooters on that team. They like to dominate the the old-fashioned way. Mid-range jumpers, attacking in the paint, rebounding, dunks, layups. Rockets, it's a three-ball all night long. So, Lakers have to get ahead and have to get ahead early if they want to beat the Rockets in this series. They have to. They can't afford to play from behind. There's three points through nine points, nine points through eighteen points, and then you look up and you're down twenty one points and you sit up there scratching your head, well what the heck happened? Well it's because you de- it was that's because you let James Harden get wide open nine million times and you shot a bunch of threes. So you, you can't afford to play from behind against the Rockets. Hopefully they wake up tonight. They woke up after Game One when they, you know, the the uh, the blow the Blazers gave them a wake up call at after at the end of Game One where Charles Barkley was uh was going around the the TNT studio with a broom in his hand, <laughs> but yeah, let's hopefully they wake up tonight. Hopefully they wake up tonight. That's our number two. I number three Nuggets and the Clippers with that series. Nuggets and since seven games they took care of business against. The uh, the Jazz earlier this past week, and they beat the Clippers one ten to one hundred one to to uh, tie the series up at one game apiece. Um, you, you didn't see you didn't see Murray, you ain't seeing Murray dropping forty points. You're not you are not seeing Jamal Murray dropping forty points against uh against the Clippers. You can book even though they won the game. You're not you are not going to see uh thirty four what was it forty. Forty thirty, you are not gonna see that. You are not gonna see that. So a nice a, a nice twenty seven point performance from uh, Jamal Murray. Paul Millsap put up thirteen points in the game. Nurkic, Nok- Jokic, Joker, whatever his name is, put up twenty six points in the game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has to play better. Thirty nine points, thirty excuse me, thirty nine minutes, thirteen points ain't gonna cut it. Patrick Beverly got it getting jacked in the game he, again. He, uh, Beverly, who's a hothead, who, who, who's a jerk, you know, from telling uh, Michelle Roberts of the uh, of the Players Association to pipe down while they're in a meeting, coming up with the strategy on how to resume the season after the whole uh, walkout thing. You know, we all know that Patrick Beverly is, is a complete clown. So uh, enough of him. And uh, and Paul George, you know, forty two minutes, twenty two points. It's not bad, but you got to give me a little bit more than that. And again, Kawhi learned thirty nine points, or excuse me, thirty nine minutes, thirteen points. It's just I understand the great, even the great ones have an off night, but you can't expect to win boss basketball games performing like that. That's just that's just all there is to it. That's with the Nuggets and the Clippers. Next, uh, the Celtics and the Raptors, and I'll go, and I'll go through that in a minute with OG Anubi's uh game-winning buzzer-beater that he made a couple days ago, and they, I mean, they, I mean, the whole sequence with that play is why Taco Fall was in the game. I have no idea. I I I don't know. I don't know why Taco Fall was in the game in that situation. You know, everyone in America knows that they were going for the three why he was in the why we, why he was in at the end of that sequence of the game I do not understand and you can see on the replay on the inbound pass on the inbound pass uh you, you, again when it's uh, when it's when you're inbounding a pass and you're playing defensively you want to be a shield okay as tall and as lanky as Taco fall, all Taco fall has to do is just stand there with his hands up in the air like he's doing y m c a and just standing there the problem that lies with that play is that taco folk he has his hands up in the air and because he's not exactly he's he's not exactly a bulky guy it's he's it's just tall it's just he's tall and he's got long limbs. He's and and you look on the replay. He's well, I don't know what the, I don't know what the heck he was doing. He has his hands up in the air. He can't keep his feet still. And uh, well, I don't know whether he's doing the cha cha slide, the cupid shuffle, whatever he was doing. He couldn't he couldn't he couldn't stay still. So the guy inbounding the pass sees OG and OG Ananobi wide open across the court. All he has to do is give it an all you know soccer throwing heave ho, chuck the ball across the court. OG newbie catches the ball, releases it in that in the half a second that left and they win the game. So there was a terrible defensive sequence on the part of the Celtics. some I understand Taco falls a young kid, and I, I understand all that. But someone's got to tell Taco, look, why he was in the game. I don't understand in that situation because everyone because they had to get the three to win. The, you know, they were down one o three to one o the one o three to one o one. So you have to. So you would. So you you know as especially as how analytically driven today's NBA is. You you are essentially. You, you, in the back of your mind, you have to fear that they're trying to go for the three to go to go for a three to win the game. They're they're not trying to play time. Go for the three. It's a, three it's, a, it's a league driven by the three point shot. They're trying to go for the three. But someone has to tell Taco when he's in situations like that later in his career. You gotta tell him when you're going there and, you, and you're and you're guarding the guy that's throwing the ball in off of a timeout off of a timeout in that sequence. You got to keep your feet still. You can't. Just because he's just because he's moving his head trying to get a trying to see where the guy's trying to inbound the ball to, that you can't you can't you can't have your hands up in the air and, and do the crab shuffle. You can't you can't do that. Your feet glued to the floor, hands up, and the only thing that needs to be moving are your hands, windshield wipers. That's the only thing that has to, that should be moving is your hands and your arms, windshield wipers. Your body cannot move until that ball is thrown in. And that is how, and that is how that pass was successfully executed, and why Ojiana Nubi, it was, it was, I mean, it was like, it was like a, uh, it was, it was like a, uh, a five-yard dig route. I mean, all you had to do is, is just dump it off, or not a dig route, but it was, it was, it was a post. You know, you know, you go deep, get wide open, in the middle of the field, and I'll, ch- and I'll chuck the ball to you in the middle of the field. You catch it, and you go to distance. That's why that pass was was tremendously executed because Taco Phil up here doing doing the Cupid Shuffle and, and it gives and it gives um I've g i think it was Lowry that had inbound the pass. Uh it gives them a per gives him a perfect opportunity to uh gives him a gives them a lane and gives them a um it gives them a uh a, 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 a um an area of of, of uh of vision to inbound the pass, hit OG on Ruby, half second, catch, shoot, boom. But you gotta, but you gotta Brad Stevens gotta tell him. Not just tell talk, but tell his team. You know, inbound passes like that, where where essentially the defense for the most part was locked down tight on the players trying to catch the inbound. You can't you can't shuffle like that. You can't. You have to sit back, you have to get your feet set. Get your feet set. See, I'm looking at it right now. He's too much. He's moving. He's moving too much. And everyone's like, oh, whoa. He put, what a pass. He threw it over. If you look back on the replay, Taco Fall does not stand still. Does not stand still. He moves to his left. Jumps up and down. Moves to his right. I mean, it's like it was like he was doing. It was like he was doing the the cupid shuffle, cupid shuffle, YMCA, crab shuffle. Whatever you want to do it. Shot shot slide. You pick your dance move. But when you're there, you have to put your hands up and be still. You got to be set. Cause while he's shuffling, Kyle Lowry essentially is like, where's he? Where's he? Oh, in, in that last second. Let that last instantaneous second, he sees him, throw it, passes it cross court, and Lowry is not Lowry, but Ananubi is sitting wide open in the corner, catches it, half a second left, whew, swish, three, Rockets win, or shooting Rockets, Raptors win. But and then, and that and that and I I went through all that. That's just for Thursday. Yes. <laughs> Yesterday, Raptors beat the Celtics by seven, one hundred and ninety-three. Lally put up twenty-two points, eleven rebounds, seven assists. Jason Tatum didn't have a bad performance as well. Pascal Siakam came into play with twenty-three points. Freddie Van Fleet put up seventeen. Serge Ibaka coming off the coming off the bench put up eighteen points as the Raptors. Uh, went back-to-back games after being down 2-0 heading into Game Three, they went Game Three and Game Four to tie the, game, tie the series up at two games apiece. And the Raptors have had a have played well in in recent, you know, in the last couple seasons in the playoffs, being hat uh, with the series tied at two games apiece heading into Game Five. That's Celtics and Raptors. Heat and Bucks. I'm gonna get on. I'm let me get to them, and then I'll get to Steve Nash being the head coach, and then we'll take a break and get to the baseball. But heat and the bucks, okay. Those have to be the two worst. I have not seen two worst calls at the end of a basketball game in in, in recent memory, okay. Why? How in the world are those two are those two uh, fouls called at the end of that game? How in the, the those are not okay. Giannis, I thought with a foul, it has to impact the shot. Okay, at the end of that game, at the end of that game, the ball is in the air. It's it's it, when the when the ball comes out of Giannis's hands, the ball is in the air by the time Giannis's hand touches Jimmy Butler, okay? Now, but I, that's the problem with these officials. They're so robotic. They don't. They don't have a feel. They don't have. A, they don't have a sense of the game. They don't. They don't have. They don't have a sense of the game. You know. I understand that they that they have to answer to I understand they have to answer to somebody, and they gotta call. You know, and they gotta call the game as close to the rule book as possible. But at the end of that, at the end of that game, you don't call that. You don't call that in that situation. You don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't. That that's not that's not a foul. Okay. When he's going up to shoot the ball, he, when you, when Butler's going up to shoot the ball, Giannis does not touch him. He touch, and it's not even like that. He like hit his hand, hit his arm, nothing. He has sent. He put. He puts his hand on his rib cage. And I understand by the letter of the law you can you can find, you know, the little inconsistency to call that a foul, but you but in that situation at the end of a playoff game in the last five five seconds, last second, you don't you don't you do not under any circumstances call that foul in that situation. You don't, I'm sorry. I understand that he touched him, it has nothing to do with the shot. The ball is in the air out of Butler's hands by the time Giannis puts his hand on him. You can't call that a foul. You can't, and the way today's shooter is well, get, you don't. See, you rarely see in today's NBA when a player goes for pulls up for a shot for a jump shot. They never land from where they jump. They don't. The player always in, in today's NBA, especially when they go up for a jump shot, they go. They jump forward. They jump forward. They go up, and by the time they come down. They're 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 um they're about five feet thereabouts. They're about five feet ahead of where they originally took their shot. They shoot a three. By the time they come down, they're they're in, they're inside the arc instead of outside the arc. But you don't call that foul in situation. I say it all the time. Referees in sports, especially if it's playoffs, you keep yourself out of the game. You keep yourself out of the game. You let the players play. You do not, under any circumstances, I don't care what the rule is, you do not insert yourself in the game. The referee has to have a feel of what the heck's going on and has to see that that was not a foul. Okay? I understand that he touched him, but by the time the ball is out of his hands, the ball is in the air arcing towards the basket. And that's when Giannis puts his hand on him. And it wasn't like Giannis shoved the butler to the ground. Okay? He's he he gives him a chance. Butler does land. He, land. he lands on his butt, but he lands. Okay? He it didn't affect, it didn't affect Butler's landing. He didn't, you know, land awkwardly on an ankle. He shot the ball, landed, landed on his tail. That's not a foul. And by the time and as soon as Butler pulls up, Giannis legally is contesting the shot. It is a good foot of space between Butler and Kumpo's left arm. And by the time the ball is in the air and, he, the, and the shot is released, Giannis isn't touching Butler. He only touches Butler when he starts to come down. And even then, that's about a second of, of Giannis putting his hand on Butler. In which you can even make the argument that he put his hand on Butler to help him brace his fall. Because from the way Butler shot it, he kicked his legs out and he leaned back. So you can even make the argument that Giannis was helping Butler, making sure that when he shot the ball, he didn't land awkwardly on his back, he didn't hit his head, or he didn't land on Giannis. Cause he puts his hand on him for a second and a half, and then he lets go. And by the time he puts his hand on Giannis, or Giannis puts his hand on Butler, the ball is already arcing towards the basket. So you can't even make the argument that he's putting his hand on Butler to 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 break Butler's fall, help to help to help brace and ease his landing. But, but late in that game, you do, you do not call that under any circumstances. What happens? They call it. They send Butler to the line. He makes his first free throw with no time left on the clock. Game's over. But you do not, under any circumstances, call that in that situation. You don't. Not late in the game. Not in the playoff game. I don't care if they're playing in Orlando, Milwaukee, or at the American Airlines Arena on the Miami Coast. You don't call that in that that situation. You don't. I understand letter of the, but you but you gotta you got the rules have to be flexible in that situation. You know you know mid, middle, of, middle of the first quarter, game's early. All right, middle of the third quarter, fine. But when it gets to a point late in the late in the basketball game, you kind of have to, you kind of have to hold your whistle. You can't you can't call everything cut and dry by letter of the law all the time. Not when it, excuse me. Not when the game was competitive like it was in game two. You don't call that. You also don't call a foul when, uh, and you also don't call a foul when. You don't call a foul also late in the game. This is another call that that the refs totally screwed up. Late, late in the game. Late in the game, Middleton's going up for a shot, and a, and the and a Heat defender essentially with his hands straight up in the air. Was contact? Well, to me, it looked like that Middleton shot the ball and threw his body into the heat defender trying to get the foul. But again, no contact with his arm, no contact with his hands, none of that. He shot the ball and essentially threw himself into the defender to get the call. Which also, in my, on my, in my opinion, less than five seconds left in a tightly competitive basketball game in the playoffs, you don't call that call either. Okay, Middleton touched him. He did not touch Middleton. He's standing arms straight up in the air like a statue, and Middleton shoots the ball and throws himself into the defender. You don't call that either. So NBA referees gotta gotta get a feel of what's going on. And what happens? Heat come in game three. And they punch the Bucks right in the mouth. And they go up 3-0 as the Bucs are f- going to face elimination. Uh, are going to face elimination of what? Later this afternoon. So, but the but the refs have to have a feel. Refs have to have a feel. Some moments in the game, you got to swallow your whistle. You got to swallow your whistle. Mm. Steve Nash named the new Nets head coach. That's enough that's what the that's where you stand with the playoffs. Nets uh named Steve Nash the head coach. The argument with the white privilege stuff, what I heard from Stephen A earlier this week. That's a bunch of hogwash, you know, Derek Fisher, Doc Rivers guys, you know, given head coaching jobs. And I don't wanna and I love and I love and I respect Stephen A, but I don't want to hear Stephen A saying, Well the teams it doesn't matter if the team's set up to win a championship, doesn't does, does that that means nothing? Okay, so the argument of white privilege goes out the door. I don't I don't want you know Stephen A has a tendency to, to reach and to make things of this matter uh it make them bigger than what they really are, you know I, for whatever the purpose is I don't want I don't know I don't understand, but the argument of white privilege you know Charles Barkley shot that idea down earlier earlier this past week the idea that it's white privilege with Steve Nash is is, is I don't want to hear it. Not, you know, because you can point to many a black coaches in the NBA that's never coached before and that was given a a, 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 a head coaching job. I mean, uh, did, did, Ty Lue, did Ty Lue have any experience being a head coach prior to when LeBron uh, called him on in Cleveland? I just, I just want to know. Was an assistant. With the Celtics system with the Clippers. LeBron says, hey, get ahead guy. There you go. Then, the last time I took time on route, Ty Ron Lou was black. So I don't hear Stephen A anybody else tell me about white privilege, please. Not not in many instances, yes. Because you call white privilege with uh with uh, with Sean McVay getting a job when he got a, when he got his job in L.A. Yes, could you call white privilege with Cliff Kingsbury, whatever Klondike Bar, whatever his name is, in Arizona? Yes, could you call? Could you say white privilege when it came to the hiring of uh, of uh, Adam Gates with the Jets? You could call. You could. You could. That argument is valid. Not in the NBA. Not in the NBA. When when Doc Rivers you know never coached before, Doc Rivers, uh, Derek Fisher There's too too many examples. So what Stephen A with I I don't know why he wanted to go there and again Stephen A has a tendency to to reach when it comes to that sort of subject I don't know whether, you know they they run out they run out of topics to talk about on first take they get bored wants to be controversial I don't know, but uh but that idea is out the door you know and essentially with the nets when you're coaching Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and they will be the favorites as soon as uh, as soon as whatever team lifts up the Larry O'Brien trophy in the middle of October uh, as this, as the last standing NBA champion i they they had to, somebody must have one of them that was important whether it's Kyrie Durant or both but when they want you that pretty much is all you need is pretty much all you need to know so if the if Kyrie and if Kevin Durant wanted uh, Steve Nash to be the head coach, you pretty much have to take it for what it, for what it's worth. If they, if they if they think that he's the guy that's going to lead their squad to an NBA championship come next next fall next summer whenever the uh, whenever next year's NBA playoffs are. Then you, have, then you have to pretty much take their word for it. And last thing, and it's a long opening segment, I apologize, but then we'll get to a break. Uh, why in the world, I, and just a little uh, pet, not a pet peeve, but just a little observation of mine, why was 2K21, I don't know if you all saw this, but NBA 2K21 was released a couple of days ago. And why, why it's just me, you know, because it, it, I'm of the video game generation, but why would i don't understand why 2K21 was released when the 2019-2020 NBA season hasn't finished yet for one two it's not it hasn't been officially announced when the 2020-2021 NBA season will start I mean, I understand that they that you know people at 2K Sports they're on like a they're on like a, a cycle, you know. They under normal circumstances, 2K21 would already hit the markets and we'd already be preparing for the 2020 2021 NBA season. But considering that it's a pandemic and the season that that started last October, what's what's nearly tw- a season that started nearly 12 months ago. A whole year ago, a season. I mean, they were they were in training camp for this NBA season, and here we are a year later, and we're still essentially stuck in the same NBA season. You know, week one kicks off next week, next next weekend, and you know when when it when the uh, you know when Bengals were playing in Seattle against the Seahawks, uh, LeBron James and the crew were prepping for this for for the NBA season that's still gone on. So and I don't understand what's the big other than the fact for the, for a new you know my career story and people to get a jump start on their my team. Other than those two reasons, I don't see why anyone would flock to the stores, especially when we're still in the midst of a pandemic. I don't see why anyone would flock to the stores to buy a game, where you know it's it's essentially a waste of money. The twenty twenty one season the start see, the start date has not been announced yet, you know. We don't know, you know. We don't know if we might have a 2021 season, which most likely we will. But still, that doubt still remains. And at the same time, there's no new rosters. You know, by the game, what? You know, the the there's the silvers are still alive. I don't know why anyone would waste their money as of this moment. I, you know, when the 2020 2021 NBA season starts, I get that. But when the 2019 2020 season is still in effect. And we're in the thick of their playoffs, and we haven't had an NBA champion crowned yet. I don't see why anyone would flock to the stores and drop sixty to seventy-five to hundred bucks, you know, for for 2K21. Outside of outside of the fact that Kobe's on the cover, outside of the fact that Kobe's on the cover, a new My Career story, and and the kickstart their My Team. But 2020 isn't even outdated yet because they because the 2020 2019 2020 season is still going. So, that's just me, but I don't understand why 2K would go ahead and release a game for next basketball season when the current basketball season hasn't even completed yet. That that I mean, if, if that that's what you call oversaturating your product. I mean, it, man, I know it's just me, it's just a little quirky thing I uh, who cares it's just, just a stupid video game, but that's something that I picked up on. You know, why why release a game for next season? When your current season still isn't finished yet, why? Why would I go ahead and spend money for twenty twenty one when when NBA two K twenty is still good, and 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 it's still valid and it's still of uh, of use. So, no, it's and it's not like that. There's new rosters yet. You know they haven't had training camp. They haven't had cuts yet. No preseason. None of that. We're still in the twenty nineteen twenty twenty NBA season. So. Take it, take, take that for what it's worth. That's just something that I picked up on uh, a couple days ago. Long segment, but I apologize. Take a break. We'll get to what's happening on the baseball diamond as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast.
1: I just read this Bob Hope biography. There's no reading in the summer at the Bab Chicks. It's not allowed. Grab your baseball glove. Daddy's on the bowl making brown. You could babysit and watch the baby while mommy makes daddy's parts blue. But no education now. You can learn one day soon. There's no reading in the summer. How about BAP check with what is wife and baby in, for goodness sakes. The upper trajectory. What a job with Evan Cohen. I don't know what Babs are up to right now. We're working with little Billy Babs, the new baby. They love getting away from that little baby of his. Little Billy Babs. There's no reading in the summer. I'll bury the books in the ground. No days on. Watch a Netflix marathon. You will learn eventually, maybe, just go on YouTube, get daddy a beer now, to celebrate graduate homeschool, there's no reading in the summer.
0: There is no reading in the summer, summer coming to a close as we approach the last couple of weeks of the summer season, but uh, you know, the month of September is here. Summer vacation for the most of us is coming to a close football season. Baseball with the pennant chase and everything else. So, and you know, the days start getting shorter and shorter and shorter by the minute. But anyway, we welcome you back to the I TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball and give you a couple of teams that's uh, caught my eye. The last uh, week or so, as far as contending for the postseason are concerned, and that is be and I told y'all about this, and I'm not trying to make myself sound like I'm, uh, you know, I'm the, a, uh Ford C. Frick Award winner, uh, but I told you guys at the beginning of the season, back in the middle of July, that that the San Diego Padres are going to be a, we're going to be a very special ball club. They're twenty four and they're twenty four and seventeen. Fernando Tatis Jr. has been an absolute stud, and rightfully so. I mean, this kid. Uh, let me t- let me read you. He's he's hitting. Let me read you his stats right now for 2020. This guy. Uh, let's see if I can pull this up properly. Uh, he's hit. Let's uh, let me give you the his stats right quick. 2020. Um, he's hit. Hey, what a phenomenal season he's had. He's hitting 307 with 14 home runs, tied for second, uh, in ba- tied for second in baseball with 37 RBIs in third, with an OPS of 1043. He's had a phenomenal season. I told you guys that Fernando Tatis was going to be a force to be reckoned with. I told y'all at, at the beginning of at the beginning of the season. When season was going to be announced, we were going to have a sixty-game baseball season. I told you guys that the San Diego Padres were going to come out and we're going to surprise people. They had expectations. The GM was pretty much like, "All right, let's you know we've rebuilt it enough." You know, we have Tatis here. We've picked up free agency signings with uh, with Hosmer and Machado. We've played a boatload for the, for those two players alone. We got Paddock. We got the guy, the former manager Green, out of there. We got a new manager. You know, and we're the only game in town. You know, Clippers have been gone from San Diego to L.A. and the Chargers ditched San Diego for L.A. and and it's and it served Spanos right that they that they can't draw flies at their games. And nothing would make my heart happier when they uh, when fans are allowed in that brand new stadium at So at SoFi Stadium. Nothing would make my heart happier for uh, the Chargers to play the Chiefs, you know, in the middle of uh, in the middle of September and have the place ninety percent Chiefs fans. It's, it's what Spanos gets for uh, being an absolute snake and a, and a spineless. You know what to the city of San Diego, that's a uh, city that I absolutely loved them. Why in the world that Spanos thought that, you know, that he was going to be a huge hit in L.A.? I'll never understand, considering that the Chargers spent one year in the city of Los Angeles. That was the first year of the franchise and ownership, whoever that might have been at the time. It might have been the Spanos family. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not going to go off and get off on a tangent about that. But I told you guys that at the start of the season, the Padres were going to be big time. Manny Machado was due for a bounce back year. He ha- really hadn't had he really hadn't had a phenomenal breakout season in my eyes since uh since he left the Orioles in 20 in uh in 2018. He hadn't he hadn't uh been Manny Machado that I've come to know and love and appreciate since 2017. He's had a he's had a nice campaign for uh for the San, he's had a nice campaign for the San Diego Padres in 2020. Hitting um, let's see pull up Manny Machado right quick, hitting uh with a phenomenal season. They had Chris Paddock who got even though he got banged around. I watched the game yesterday, and uh in a loss against the uh in a loss against the Oakland A's yesterday. He you know he was banged around quite a bit uh yesterday. But Chris Paddock for the most part has done well. Manny Machado uh, who especially has has been phenomenal. Hit 306 this season with 12 home runs, 34 RBIs. He had a nice walk-off grand slam about a couple weeks ago, uh, t- to uh, help the Padres. and And who's played fin- absolutely phenomenal baseball this season. I told y'all to, to be ready to be ready for the Padres. I told you guys they were going to be big time. I told you guys they were going to be awful, awfully competitive, and we're going to be breathing down the uh the Dodgers' necks in in the division. Right now they're in second place, 6 games back behind the Dodgers of 20 at 24 and 17. They they are by far a shoe-in to make the postseason whether it be as an extra two of those wildcard teams or to qualify as the top two teams in the division they have played absolutely phenomenal 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 baseball they've won six of their last 10 you know they have a run differential of plus 51 they've played absolutely outstanding uh at home at petco at 12 and six. They, you know, they've they they've played well, and you got to give the Padres credit where credit is due. Got to give credit to the GM. Got to give credit to the manager Tingler. Tatis has been an absolute superstar, an absolute stud. Not giving a crap about those dopey, asinine, unwritten rules. He's hit the cover off of the baseball. He's giving you he's f- flash and flare. Well, on the base paths, Manny Machado has returned to his old form, which I was accustomed to seeing during his days here in Baltimore. San Diego Padres have played well, and they are going to be a scary and a very dangerous, dangerous postseason team come October. And but the only issue is, and Eric Carroll said this on the broadcast uh, yesterday when against when they played the A's. You know they're a good team. But, you know, how how are they going to fare against the against the, the Cubs, you know, because of the fact that you only play the teams within your division and then interleague, of, you know, of, of the same region. You know, you, you don't see, unlike in a regular year, you don't see how the Padres fare up against the Cardinals. You don't see how the Padres fare up against the Cubs. You don't see how the Padres fare up against the Phillies or the Braves you don't see that because of course because of the 60 game season and the little protocols scheduling protocols that were put in place amidst the pandemic so you don't see you know you know that the padres of course are a good baseball team but you don't know how they stack up against the better teams of the national league that are outside of the NL West and the cubs and the Braves and the and the Phillies and, and teams of that nature but we give the uh we give the Padres credit for being an absolutely phenomenal baseball team, and they've been good for baseball, you know. Again, only team in town, you know, West Coast team outside of the Dodgers, the West Coast teams. You know, you know the the A's have their niche, but the A's are always you know ninety win team, and then they choke in a wild card game like they have been the last couple of years. You know, the Giants stink, and the Giants stink. You know the Angels out outside of Mike Trout, which I, again, unless you're Mike in Orange County, no one in America gives a crap about Mike Trout, and and the Angels always stink. The pitching, I don't care what Dylan Bundy's ERA is, the pitching is awful, It's terrible. The Angels are, are you know not are not a uh, are not a team that moves the needle as far as entertainment value is concerned. But the but the Padres have been hot and they have been good for baseball. The Dodgers have played well, too. But my thing about the Dodgers, as they're the only team in baseball, if I serve correctly, yes, the only team in baseball, and the first team in baseball with 30 wins. They're 30-11 and 11 with a six-game lead above uh, above the Padres. They've won eight of the last ten. My issue with the Dodgers is that I don't care if the Los Angeles, and I told my brother this a couple of days ago, I don't care if the Dodgers go 60-0. and and sixty and 0. I don't care if they go 50 and 10 55 and five. I'm not interested in, in, in what the I, I care less what the Dodgers regular season record is here's what I care about when it comes to the Los Angeles Dodgers in October whether it's sick and whether it's an a, a, a postseason of a 60 game season 162 games whatever when you play in the playoffs can you show up for me please? That's all I ask. All I ask from the Los Angeles Dodgers is when it comes postseason time for Kershaw not to urinate urinate down his leg. Mookie Betts to be the same Mookie Betts that he has been in this regular season. I I don't want Cody Bellinger out here. Cody Bellinger just Cody Bellinger that. I don't need Cody Bellinger. Give me 180 with 15 strikeouts. You know, can't hit his way out of a paper bag. I, I don't need that. I don't need Kershaw pitching like pitching like an amateur in the postseason when it matters most. I don't need Dave Roberts, you know, turning into a pumpkin and and managing like he's never managed the baseball game before as far as managing his bullpen and hitting Kiki Hernandez th- and hitting Kiki Hernandez third. I don't need I don't need Kelly Jansen. I don't need the I don't need the bullpen fouls from the Dodgers. I don't need that either. Here's what I care about the LA Dodgers, okay? I could give a crap about them beating the snot out of uh, out of inferior opponents such as the Angels, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks. I'm not interested. What I'm interested in is when October rolls around, will they show up and perform? Because the last many a seasons, they have not performed. They blew leads. They've blown leads to the Cardinals. They've blown leads to to the Nationals, of course. Last year, they vomited on themselves against the Astros, despite the cheating as well. You know, they look. They've lost. They lost home games against. They've lost home games against the Astros in that series. They've blown leads many a time, and they vomited all over themselves against Boston. Kershaw blew, blew many. Elite- screwed up against the Cardinals in twenty fourteen. They've screwed up against the Nationals, of course. Last year. Enough, okay. Uh, they've lost series to the Cubs. Enough, enough. Kershaw, Roberts, Bellinger, Jansen, and the rest of you, show up this October, okay? Me as a sports fan, and my calendar is going to be packed, packed in October with school, these podcasts, football, NBA finals. I'm all I'm I'm gonna be busy, okay, and. When I make the time to tune in and watch these Dodger playoff games, do me a favor, don't waste my time, don't waste baseball fans' time, don't waste your fans' time by going up there and, and choking. Please, enough of this already. Enough. I don't need I don't need you losing a first round playoff series to a team that went 35 and 25 and measled their way into the playoffs. I don't need you losing to a team that's 35 and 25. You know, I don't want them losing a first round playoff series to uh to the Miami Marlins because if that happens, they will never hear the end of it. Whether it's my show, Mad Dog, they'll never hear the end of it. So I don't need them losing a first-round playoff series to a team like the Miami Marlins. And I don't need them getting all the way to the World Series and losing to and losing to the Tampa Bay Rays, the Yankees. I don't need that. I don't need that. Or losing to the Dodgers or losing to the Astros again. I don't need that. What I need them to do is to, when it comes postseason time to show up. And perform, okay? I could care less what they do in a sixty-game whitewash of an MLB season. I'm not interested. When they're playing again, when they're playing against a Giants team and a and a Diamondback team that stinks, or playing or playing American League West teams, and the Angels and Rangers and Mariners and and the Astros that who again they've been above 500, but they've been spotty for the most part of the season, okay? When you when you're playing Mariners, Angels, Rangers, Diamondbacks, and Giants. Again, I'm not interested. What I'm interested in, October, show up, show out. Kershaw, stop choking. Dave Roberts, learn how to manage a bullpen. Kenley Jansen, don't screw up. I, and Cody Bellinger, don't hit 180 and strike out 30,000 times. Again, show up and perform. Perform. I can't last what you're doing in a 60-game season. I'm not interested. Six 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 I don't, I don't care what they're doing a sixty game regular season, I don't care what they're doing a hundred sixty two game regular season. Okay. Regular season for the LA Dodgers means nothing. They're worth billions. They spent billions on on you know, they spent billions constructing their team. They're worth billions. They're in the one of the largest markets in the United States. They got more resources and more money they can shake a stick at. They got a hell of a GM and 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 Alex Friedman. That they got from Tampa. No excuses. No excuses. This year especially. Because it's easier for you. Because the 60 game season instead of 162. It's easier for you. But if you guys don't win. (laughs) It ain't going to be pretty. It is not going to be pretty. You've all blown many leads in World Series. And you lost to a Nationals team. That prior to that series. Was known. Nothing known for nothing more than choking and first round playoff series. Choking. Y'all better show up and perform in October. That's all I gotta say. Because if I turn into a game and if I see Clayton Kershaw play like play like a little leaguer in a postseason series one more time, I swear to the holiest of deities, I'm gonna lose it. Because I'm really sick and tired of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. I'm sick and tired of them being jammed about my throat. Every jammed down my throat every single time, like the Dodgers are the hottest things in sliced bread. Only for them to go to the postseason and 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 play like and play like a bunch of amateurs, I'm done and I'm sick of it. Please, enough. I don't care if they go 60 and 0. If they lose in the postseason, I don't want to hear from them anymore. I don't. I don't. I re- I don't. Mookie Betts, Justin Turner. I could care less. Cody Bellinger, I could care less. Do something in the postseason. That is what I care about. You have not won a championship since 1988. In that time, the A's have won a championship or two. let Let me make sure I actually get this right. The Oakland A's won a championship the next year in 89. Let me make sure I get this right. The A's have won a championship. The Giants have won three In your seven-year run of winning the NL West, the Giants, even though they stink this year, they've won three championships. The Nationals have won a championship. A team relocated from Montreal to Washington. They've won a championship. The Phillies have won a championship. The Cardinals have won a championship. The Cubs have won championships time right now for the Dodgers enough talk give me some action please enough second team or third team I apologize Chicago White Sox 16-15 half a game lead over the Indians and the Twins and the the American League Central they've had one hell of a season I forgot to mention about Lucas Giolito's no-hitter last show would give him his props for the no hitter he threw a couple weeks ago. Jose Abreu has been hot on a hit streak right now. Uh, they've won. Uh, they, Tim Anderson who leads the team in batting average hitting three sixty. Jose Abreu with thirteen home runs, forty RBIs. Uh, their seventh in ER seventh in ERA hitting as far as their hitting is concerned. Tied for fifth and runs scored third in team batting average third in slugging percentage. The White Sox 25 and 15 who I didn't th- who I thought was going to struggle they've certainly showed up and showed out and have showed the big boys up on the north side in the Cubs that uh, that the White Sox are alive and well here in this 60 game sprint of a uh, of a uh, MLB season have won championship in 15 years since 2005 It'd be n- nice and good for baseball if uh, if they can have their two teams in a big market just, such as Chicago make the postseason. White Sox, you know they got young stars. Little's good, Abreu's a star. Tim Anderson's starting to come into his own. The White Sox have played very, very, very good baseball, and we give them their props as well. And it'd be good for them if they make it into to the postseason tournament come October. New York Yankees, they have they have been struggling again. uh the granted, which is a pretty much you know there's three things certain in life. Death taxes and standing judge being on the being on the IL. I mean, I and if the Yankees are dumb enough to give Aaron Judge four hundred million dollars, they need their heads examined. I understand he's a phenomenal talent. I understand that he captures the baseballs. eye. He captures the eye of the young fan, and that he and that he's and he's a not an icon, but he's a superstar. He has that status, you know, with the with the cool name Judge. You know he's six. He's like six. He's six foot seven. He's a Yankee. I understand all that, but part of but part of being a great player, part of being a Hall of Famer, is consist, is consistency and getting out onto the field on a day and day out basis. Well, you can't get out and play on a day and day out basis, a hundred give me at least one hundred fifty four games a season. I you, you can't. A, you're not worth the money, and B, you're not. You can't be considered Hall of Fame because part of being a Hall of Famer is showing up on a day and day basis and doing your job. And Judge does not. He doesn't. You know, he he's a good. He's a good. He's a phenomenal talent, and a good baseball player. I give him that. But he he never plays. Every single time he, he turn around, he's always hurt. He and Stanton. And I and I tell you right now, the Yankees in a heartbeat. Would regret would would not trade for Stanton like they did a couple of off seasons ago because what they did for Stanton they couldn't get because what them trading for Stanton this is what they did they did they couldn't get, they couldn't sign Machado they couldn't sign Harper and this they couldn't sign Trout and this past off season they couldn't sign Rendon. Sanchez can't hit, okay? San, San, Sanchez cannot hit, you know they've. You know, out they, uh, you know they 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 what? Let's let's go down the list, okay? Uh, when they played, they lost back to back against the Mets. Took three from the Mets. Lost lost two out of three to the Rays. I had a fiasco with with uh, with Chapman thrown behind thrown behind the uh, Rays batters, sparking up a little sparking up a little bit of a fracas. Losing two out of three from the Rays, whether it's out of frustration, whatever it might be. The Rays came into the Bronx, took two or three from them, and went about their merry way. They lost to the Mets 9-7. They beat the Orioles in a makeup game of a doubleheader on Friday. And they lost back to back. They lost. They lost uh, the the night. They lost the nightcap on Friday night, six three. And they lost. Uh, and then they lost last night, six one. But they couldn't generate any offense. Garrett Cole got knocked around in the sixth inning. You know, with with key clutch two out hits from my Baltimore Orioles as they handed Garrett Cole yet another loss, and his ERA uh, is uh, is flirting around with uh, with the 4.0 range. Yankees twenty one and eighteen. They have struggled the last two and a, the last one two and a half weeks, you know. And, and grant and granted, this is and they're down two to one right now in the middle of the second inning against my Orioles. And I understand that well they got essentially they have a A lineup, but when you're the New York Yankees that have the you know that that whose payroll is about ten times the amount that the Orioles have and when you the big bad New York Yankees with more resources and more money you can shake a stick at plus the cachet of playing in New York and the aura of being one of the most historic franchises in the in 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 American sports all time with the New York Yankees with Ruth, DiMaggio, Mano, Garrett, Barra Whitey Ford, Jeter, Mariano, uh Joe Torre, uh Billy Morton, Steinbrenner's the whole 9 yards, Chris Chambliss uh De- Deion Sanders even uh, Reggie Jackson Goose Gossage all of that you ha- there's no excuses I understand that they couldn't that you know when uh, when they essentially when they went down with injuries last year and they essentially didn't miss a beat. I understand that that's like a once in a blue moon. That it that it's a bit naive to expect the same thing back to back years. You know, from essentially your your bench players and and you guys that never get an opportunity. It's naive to expect they're going to repeat the same uh all star worthy performance that they had last year. But when you're the New York Yankees, there's no excuses, okay? Whether it's, it's the training staff, what they eat, their training, their strength and training regimen, whatever it might be, you're the New York Yankees, figure it out. And you being 21 and 18 and second behind the lowly Tampa Bay Rays that find every little nook and cranny, you know, bargain, you know, they bargain advantage to put together a decent baseball team and to win baseball games, when well, you're second place... But when you're 21 and 18 and second place behind a little old Tampa Bay Rays, that, that's not cutting it. And, that's, and from a Yankee perspective, that's not acceptable. Lose, losing back to back games against the Baltimore Orioles, who you previously had a winning streak of beating 20 in a row to, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. You know, t- letting, letting the Tampa Bay Rays come into your place, take two out of three, that, that ain't cutting it. Garrett Cole getting knocked around by a triple-A lineup in the Baltimore Orioles with, with their best hitter mi- missing for presumably the rest of the season, Anthony Santander getting knocked around with two outs in the bottom of the sixth inning and in what was a pitching duel up until that point, that's unacceptable from a Yankee perspective. You got more money you can shake a stick at, more resources, you got all the advantages that the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles of the world do not have, and you're and you're uh, and you're ham and egg in your way and and barely staying afloat in the ALE in the American League East Division pennant chase but you can't have that and again you don't get and again and when this time comes I would not do it you can't give Stanton or excuse me you can't give you can't give Judge $400 million when he can't stay on the field you can't I'm sorry you can't because he he he's becoming a liability. You don't want to pay a liability four hundred million dollars. You don't, especially when you're paying Stanton a, a large tub of money, and he never stays healthy on the field either. And he and he, and he, and he strikes out. They'll let they'll let Sanchez go because he stinks defensively, and, and he and he can't hit. But I, I I I'd hold my breath and let Judge walk. And I, and I and I take my chances. For, and I take my chances on Judge going to a team and being an absolute superstar. I'd hold my breath for that. You Yankees don't want that to happen, and they would catch hell from their fans if they if that were to happen. But if I'm in their boat, if I'm in their situation right now, I'd hold my breath and let Judge go, because as great and as a phenomenal talent that he is, and as great of a baseball player that he is. And he and he is an absolute treat and a joy to watch. When he's injured when he's injured all the time, every single season. Every single time he's in around, he's on the I. L. You you can't you can't have a guy that's you can't have a guy that spends more of his time in the trainer's office. You you can't make him the highest paid player on on the team. You can't. I'm sorry, you can't. That that's that's for uh, that's for down the road. But Judge and Stanton can't stay healthy. The team is a mess. Yankees getting uh owned. Not owned, but they're getting showed who's bossed by inferior opponents in the Rays and the Orioles. You're a New York Yankee fan. You gotta be sick. You gotta be sick. But me as a Yankee hater and a long-time Oriole fan that despises the Yankees, I'm enjoying it. Especially on the 25th week, 25th anniversary weekend of Kev Ripken Jr., Breaking New York Yankee Luke Gehrig's consecutive game streaks record. So, Yankees, you can keep on screwing up and uh, going years and years and years and years. And what's already been a decade and a year since you've last won a World Series. Y'all, y'all can keep stinging it up. It, 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 it brings me joy. It brings me joy looking up to seeing the Yankees, you know, having to uh, struggle and ham and egg their way through a 60-game MLB season. Yeah, you got more money you can shake a stick at. What have you done for me lately? All right. What ha- what have you done for me lately? It's been ten years and counting since you last held up the commissioner's trophy, and the key parts of that championship are now retired. A-Rod is bouncing around with Jennifer Lopez. Derek Jeter now owns the as an owner of a baseball team. Uh, CC Sabathia is retired. Joe Girardi is no longer there. He's the manager of the Phillies. Mariano Rivera is uh, is buddy-buddying up with Trump. And uh, and uh, guys like uh, Hideki Matsui and Raul Ibanez and all of them, that they, they are things they are things in the relics of the past. So it's what have you done for me lately? And the only person that's left is uh, is Brett Gardner, and he's nowhere near the player that he used to be back in two thousand and nine. So I enjoy the Yankees stinking up the joint. It Brings more joy and more pleasure, more happiness to me. But if you're a Yankee fan, you gotta be sick. You have to be sick. Take a break. I got some NFL news to get to. No, wait, no, no, I don't. I'll give you the twenty fifth anniversary of streak of twenty one thirty one. Right, quick, and then I'll get to a break and get to some other things. So, in case you don't know, if if you're not a baseball fan or if you're not a uh, a, a, a a historic uh, sports his history guy. This weekend, September 5th, September the 6th, is the 25th anniversary of Cal Ripken tying and then today breaking uh, Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak, 25 years to the date. And I know MLB Nerick will have a special on that later tonight, later uh, Sunday night, which I will be on top of. I won't watch it live because, of course, I'll have Lakers and Rockets, of course, will take top priority. But uh, I'll record that and I'll get a kick out of that. Um, when you know when I get a chance to watch it, uh, Cal sitting down with Tom Verducci, they'll be never giving him, uh giving him uh, insight of what it was like going through that streak when he knew he had some special the chances of him breaking the record, all that sort of stuff. You'll hear Cal, you know, you'll hear Cal's speeches of him at the Hall of Fame in twenty in two thousand and seven, him making the speech, um. Him making a speech when he broke the record, I heard that yesterday. You know, thanking Eddie Murray, thanking his wife, his father, and and what it meant for him to essentially be Mr. Consistency, playing on a day in day out basis, and the pride he took in that, and the pride that Orioles fans having him be Maryland's own, being the one to break break uh break that record with uh, of course with the Orioles no with Orioles fans of known hatred of uh of of the Yankees and having and having one of their own breaking a Yankee record and how the Oriole fan uh took took great pride in that and still takes great pride in it to this day and um you know and me personally I've known about the streak for a long time you know when I became a baseball fan when I became an Oriole fan my grandmother made it her mission that I knew who Cal Ripken was knew his history as a player as a ball player his personal story, him connection with his father, his brother, and everything else, and of course, and you and you bet and you bet your uncle's uh, retirement fund that she made sure I knew about the twenty one thirty one streak. I know all about it. You know Bill Ripkin and many a celebrity being in attendance, not Bill Ripkin, President Bill Clinton being in attendance at that game. Chris Berman on the on the call with ESPN. The numbers changing and. The, and the 22-minute delay, we went around the field and shook every fan's hand and high-fives and everything. So I'm fully aware of the uh, historical gravativity of that. And uh, Cal threw out a ceremonial first pitch. Nobody in the ballpark, of course, but throughout the ceremonial first pitch uh, earlier this afternoon uh, to his son uh, before today's game against the New York Yankees and it being the 25th anniversary of Cal breaking uh, Luke Gehrig's record, so we give Calis props and the congratulations to him. One of the uh, the great baseball players that ever played, certainly one of the great Orioles that ever put on the Oriole orange and black. Um, and, uh, and you know, he played the game the way baseball is supposed to be played. Give it, give it your all, one hundred and ten percent each and every day. You play every day. You go out there, give it your all. You play for yourself. You play for your family. You play for your your brothers that you suit up with, and you play for the fans and Cal Ripken, you know, he played it he played it the right way. He played the game the right way and he is one of those in a rare instances where if you would if you wanted an athlete to uh be a role model for your kids, Cal Ripken would would definitely be at the top of uh at the top of that list. And next and next MLB season in 2021, it'll be the it'll be 20 years since Cal uh since Cal retired when in his last season. Uh, with the Orioles in 2001, but uh, congratulations to Cal for 21:31, and uh, and the Orioles keep it up uh, beating the Yankees on this 21:31 25th anniversary. Um, so we give you Major League Baseball, we give you the NBA playoffs. Up next, it's the NFL. Returns next Sunday. I got some news to get to as far as the NFL, and stay tuned. for my my MLB, my NFL picks for the 2020 season. This is the Unmetellica TIS Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIA's podcast. Get some quick NFL signings and extensions uh, right quick, and then I'll take a break, and then we will get to my NFL uh, season predictions. Um, first things first, my guy, Joe Mixon. My guy. Joseph Mixon out of Oklahoma will be a Cincinnati Bengal for the next 4 years. Earlier this past week, he and the Bengals agreed on a 4-year, $48 million contract, uh good for uh up to with he will stay with the Bengals for 5 more years. His rookie contract was set to expire after this season, but we locked him up, which is a fin- which is a finas- was fantastic, a f- fantastic and phenomenal uh thing because my Cincinnati Bengals are now set up to be in a position where if all goes well and if Joe Burrow d- uh, stays healthy Lord willing and and uh is um is 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 his worth essentially as a national champion and a Heisman trophy winner and uh and uh is essentially exceeds expectations A.J. Green stays healthy and balls out. T. Higgins balls out as a rookie. If all goes well and if we get that offensive line taken care of and if that defense is, I'll even sell for decent, you know, middle of the pack, top 15, my Cincinnati Bengals will or will be in a prime position to be a Super Bowl contender in the next five years. If Joe Burrow shows up and balls out in 2020 and just sets the world on fire, and if A.J. Green stays healthy, because if A.J. Green stays healthy, we all know that that, that his phenomenal wide receiver play is, is, is a given. But if A.J. stays healthy... And if Mixon continues the ball out, which he has been the last couple of years, it's been overshadowed because the team has been awful. Offensive line gets fixed, and T. Higgins shows up like like the baller of a wide receiver he was at uh at uh Clemson, leading the ACC as far as wide receivers are concerned. The Cincinnati Bengals. Will be in a prime position, prime position, to win a Super Bowl, come 2025, 2026, and you can write it down and you can book it, because we've suffered long enough, and the players believe in each other. They believe in Zach Taylor. They believe in Burrow. This is this is a united group and a united front leaders of guys that's been there a long time and Dunlap and Atkins and and uh and, and and AJ Green and then new guys that's been around the block for a couple of years such as uh such as Mixon such as Mixon excuse me. And then we got our quarterback in Burrow and our second and second year coach Zach Taylor. I'm let me tell you something right now. My Cincinnati Bengals will be in a prime, prime position to compete for Super Bowl 60. And you can write it down and you can book it. My Bengals will be Super Bowl 60 contenders. You better believe it. Super Bowl 60 contenders. My Cincinnati Bengals are going to be in the near future. And you y'all just watch and y'all just get ready cuz we coming and we coming hungry. That's Joe Mixon. Second item of business, Keenan Allen, 80 80 million dollars multi-year extension to make him which uh, was, was worth $80 million over the next four years to make him the second pay- highest paid wide receiver in the NFL behind Julio Jones of the, of the Atlanta Falcons Julio- Keenan Allen, one hell of a wide receiver one of the top 10 wide receivers in all of football will give uh, Tyrod Taylor who will be the starter by the way to begin the season for the Chargers when the Chargers play my Bengals in week one at 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon but he will be an asset to help out. Uh, to help out, Tyrod Taylor he hasn't started a game in quite a long, in a, quite a few years, and he will definitely provide an assistance for uh, Justin Herbert when he gets ready to lead the charge. No pun intended, for the uh, for the San Diego, not San Diego, the L.A. Uh, Chargers. Deshaun Watson, the next big quarterback to get paid four years, 156 million dollar extension that averages 39 million annually and a 27 million signing bonus. So even though he has no one around him uh, to essentially, you know, they traded off DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of peanuts, but he will be the he will uh, be have the reins of the Houston Texans offense as far as the quarterback standpoint is concerned for the next. Five seasons, so we give, uh, so we give props, and we give the uh, Sean Watson his due, as w- really one of the top tier quarterbacks in the NFL as of right now. Jay Davion Clowney uh, finds a home in in uh, in Tennessee, a one year fifteen million dollar deal with the Tennessee Titans. If he can stay on the field well long enough, that will definitely do the uh, that will definitely do wondrous for Tennessee. Uh, Looking, you know, we're uh, we're an AFC runner-up last season, uh, losing to the Chiefs in the championship game. They certainly have postseason aspirations. And with uh, the Texans depleted coming into this year, uh, you know, without one of the best wide receivers in all of football, DeAndre Hopkins is definitely a huge loss. And the Titans are looking to take the AFC south with it being wide open heading into 2020. And if if he can stay on the field, that's a good signing for uh, for the Tennessee Titans. And Leonard Fournette is a Buccaneer. Everyone is doing essentially jumping through hula hoops and doing handstands because all of a sudden, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are are you know are an untouchable hot as uh, hot as the hottest part in hell football team. When people realize Fournette hasn't played a complete season. And has not been the Leonard Fournette that we've come to know and love, and has not been, has not been himself since his phenomenal 2017 season when the Jaguars went all the way to the AFC Championship game. He has not been himself since Bruce Arians. Last time I checked, isn't exact. Isn't Vince Lombardi? Tom Brady is. He's still the great Tom Brady, but he isn't the Tom Brady of uh, the Tom Brady who's. Uh, He's he's not the Tom Brady of 2014, 2015. He's he's a 42 year old Tom Brady that throws the ball about 20 times a game. That throws a little deacon, deacon, and and, uh, and donkey uh, seven yard pass routes to to Gronk and, and and running backs coming out the backfield. You know, so the idea that that the Tennessee, not Tennessee, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are all of a sudden a shoe in for the Super Bowl. Y'all gotta get your uh, y'all gotta get your heads examined. Yeah, old, old quarterback, new system, new coach. It's not exactly gonna be uh, peaches and cream, or excuse me, the phrase is strawberries and cream and sugar and spice and everything nice when they start up there in Tampa. Okay, Again, you gotta be fair. And you gotta be honest. It's it's not gonna be. They're not going fourteen and two, no, locking up number one seed. That's not happening. Tom Brady. He showed you who he is. He's still an all time great. But his skills have definitely have diminished because of his age. Okay. He's not going to throw the ball down the field like he used to. Throw the ball 35 times. He's not going to do that. Rob Gronkowski's missed a year. So I guarantee you he's probably missed a step. And Leonard Fournette is is never healthy. So let's pump the brakes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Having said that. I will give you my predictions for the 2020 NFL season. It's about that time folks. Y'all sit tight. Y'all buckle up. Season predicted for the 2020 season coming up right after this. It's about that time, folks. You've waited long for it. The 2020 season is upon us. Less than a week away from Texans and Chiefs and a week away from Sunday NFL football and a week away from Monday Night Football. I'm ready. Are you? With that being said, y'all know what time it is. I've done it. For I didn't do season predictions. I st- first matter of fact, the first episode of the show that I ever did was week one of the twenty eighteen NFL season. So I didn't do or did I? I can't remember exactly. Y'all can go back and check for me, but I know I did. Uh, I did my picks for the twenty for the twenty eight for the twenty nineteen NFL season, and just to let you know how well they went. I had Chiefs and Patriots in the AFC Championship game, Seahawks and Saints in the NFC Championship game, and I had Saints and Patriots in Super Bowl 54. And lo and behold, the year I picked the Patriots to go to Super Bowl they get knocked out the first round. And I predicted the Saints to win the whole thing, which they did not. They, of course, got also knocked out in the first round by Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings in the wild card round. But with that being said, You've waited, a, I've waited a long time for, and it only seemed like it was only yesterday when Super Bowl 50 was, when Super Bowl 54 was played, And but it's been, it's been a long year, for whatever reason, it's been a long year, but at the same time, the month, whether it's the seasons or the months, I, it's probably this the, the year has been long, but the seasons have been lightning quick. Holy crap' we're, we're already coming on the f- completing the first full week of September and you blink and we'll be in football and you blink again you'll be in the middle of October and you blink three times and you'll be on christmas and you blink again you'll be at the super Bowl and next thing you know it's you know it's february march 2021 so with that being said and boy do we need football right now with what's going on in the world and the pandemic and everything else but America's game is back. At least it will be, Lord willing. I had doubts, of course, that we were going to have a season. College, it'll be a whitewash. Not all teams. I I could care less about the college. I'll get into the college when I'm at University of South Carolina. The college, especially this year, I could care less. The NFL is where it's at. We all know that. But without further ado, the question, we already know it's going to start. The question is, will they finish? Assuming that they will finish. Here is my two thousand twenty NFL season predictions. In the NFC East, we have the New England Patriots, winners of consecutive. AMAFC um, East titles. I think, they, I think it's, what, 10-plus, something like that. And The New England Patriots in Vegas, their over-under is nine wins. I have the Patriots with the over. Cam Newton, who I expect and who I pick, is a little teaser to be comeback player of the year. He will have something to prove, playing on essentially a rookie contract, you know, making the league minimum. Bill Belichick, I know, will have something to prove. First season without Brady since 2000, his first year as Patriots head coach. That And that, and Stefan Gilmore, one of the top corners in all of football. That Patriots team, they will they will be interesting to watch, and they will have something to prove. Cam will have something to prove individually. I've said it a thousand times all summer long. Same thing with Belichick. I think the Patriots will go 10-6 and, and win the NFC East. The team in second place. Will be the Buffalo Bills. They will come within a game of winning the division. They'll be a wild card team. They will go nine and seven. They're over under. If you want to know it is at nine, I will pin. I will pinpoint right there on the pin the nose on a donkey. Whoever the phrase goes at nine wins. Go nine and seven. Jets will finish in third place at seven and nine. Their over under is at seven. I will go right on the dot at seven wins. Sam Darnold. Has to show up. Has to have something to prove. I expect a bounce back season from Le'Veon Bell. The Jets are on the up and up slowly but surely. And I think the Jets have nowhere else to go but up. They'll go 7-9. and nine. The Miami Dolphins will finish in last place at 5-11. and 11. Granted, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. But at the same time, well, at the helm, they have him starting. They will have him starting out in the 2020 season next week. But with Tua... Again, they have nowhere else to go but up. Brian Flores is a hell of a coach. You know, the team played hard for him last year. The Dolphins will struggle, but it'll be a little bit easy not having Brady in that division. They will go 5-11. Their over-under number, in case you wanted to know, is at six and a half. I'll go slightly under, go 5-11. AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens, last year's best team in football record-wise in, in the regular season, with posting up a 14-2 record. Prior to that loss against the Tennessee Titans, did not lose a game. Last lost the game in late September at home against the Cleveland Browns. They will go 12-4, and four, not as good regular season-wise as they would be last year. Teams will, of course, will adjust to Lamar Jackson's playing styles. but They will be a competitive football team, of course, over-under is at 11.5. I will go over at 12-4. and four. The Ravens will win the AFC North. Coming in in second place, the Cleveland Browns. Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr. And they got a real coach this time and Kevin Stefanski from the Minnesota Vikings. They eventually, they got to show up and they got to show out and uh, prove their moxie and live up to the hype. They get, went old school with the uniforms. Eventually, Cleveland's got to break through. And I think this year will be the year as the second wildcard team. Remember, there's three wildcard teams. The Browns will get the second of the three. They will finish at 9-7 and seven in the in the AFC North. In third, and by the way, the Cleveland over-under is at eight and a half. I will go over on that, of course. The Cincinnati Bengals. Their over/under number is at five and a half. I will go over on that and pick them to go seven and nine. Coach Ireton thinks they're gonna win three games. Which again, if they go, if they win three games, I will wear a redskin. I will wear a red skin jersey and will. i Matter of fact, I'll do a photo shoot like what the Instagram models do. I will do a photo shoot of me and all of his redskin paraphernalia if my Bengals win three games. Coach, if you're listening. That that'll be the bet. There is no chance. No chance my Bengals that went two and fourteen last year will win three games. That's not happening. This is a different football team. The culture to steal a line from Allen, the culture is is pretty is pretty, is, is, is pretty good here okay they believe in each other the coach zach taylor's got a good head on his shoulders joe burrow has come out has, who's showed up in training camp for the little that we've been allowed to have because of the media availability is weird and quirky with COVID. but this team has something to prove this team feel like they've been disrespected they don't get enough attention Joe Mixon's got his big contract. AJ Green, I know, is going to have something to prove. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. And when he does, he's one of the top five receivers in all of football. T. Higgins, who I will expect to have a and will have a killer rookie season. Tyler Boyd will also be productive as well. Joe Burrow, I think, will have a very exceptional and a phenomenal rookie campaign. The Bengals will go seven and nine and finish third in AFC North. Finishing in last place will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and their over and under for the Steelers is at nine and a half, which I think is way too high. I know their defense was good last year, but Ben Roethlisberger being 38 years of age with a surgically repaired elbow is not a recipe for success. It's a recipe for disaster. Not to mention, uh, again, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a great kid, nice guy, and a good, you know, Robin to a Batman. But as if anything showed us last year is that he is not a good He's not a good Batman, which he isn't. He's a good number two guy. He's not a good number, uh, number one guy. I think that, I think this will be the straw that breaks the Campbell's back, as far as Mike Tomlin is concerned. And the Steelers will finish at six and ten, and last place in the AFC North. In the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars will finish, or excuse me, the Tennessee Titans will win the division at nine and seven. The Titans over under number is, I mean, is at eight and a half. I will take the over on that. They'll finish nine and seven. When the South Colts finish in second, again. Well, let me do the Titans first. Titans, of course, I mentioned the, the the Clowney signing. Derrick Henry will continue to run over people. Ryan Tannehill, I should expect to be a competent quarterback. And Mike Vrabel knows what he's doing down there in Tennessee. Guys play hard for him, you know. And and prime example is how they played against the. Uh, is how they played against uh, the Patriots in the wildcard game, and then being a complete underdog coming into Baltimore and absolutely putting the place into a state of shock, and defeating the Baltimore Ravens in that playoff game back in January. The Colts will be better. Philip Rivers change the scenery; will be good for him. But I think, and I actually do, and I will have the Colts going eight and eight, but getting that third and final wildcard spot in the AFC South. AFC West, Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, 10 years, $503 million. He can go go splurge on that for the rest of his life. They locked up the GM and Andy Reid for the next couple of years. Travis Kelsey's got his money. Chris Jones has his money. Sammy Watkins is going to stay around. No Damian Williams, which will hurt. He opted out uh, this season because of COVID. But I don't think the Chiefs will miss a beat. Um, the Chiefs. The Chiefs over under, by the way, is at uh eleven and a half. They'll go at eleven wins, at eleven and five and win the division. Real quick, with the South, the Colts over unders is. Nine and a half, I go under with that. Texans, Houston, no uh, no, no, excuse me, no DeAndre Hopkins will hurt them. Seven and a half, I will go exactly at seven. They'll go seven and nine. Jaguars, who look like they're selling out everything but the kitchen sink, they will by far be the worst team in football. They're over-unders at four and a half. I go under at three and 13. Chargers will be better. Uh, will be better. Anthony Lynn's a good coach. They'll play hard for him. Uh, Tyrod Taylor Herbert, whatever the situation might be. They got Allen sitting there. They'll be good. Um, they will go 8-8 eight, eight and, eight and finish second in the AFC West but miss the playoffs. The Chargers over under is at 7.5, by the way. I will go the under on that. Um, the Broncos will finish third in the AFC West finishing at 6-10. And, and the Broncos over under is at 7.5. I go the under at 5 with finishing at 5-11. That's, that's the AFC side, division winners. Patriots win the division again. The Ravens will win the division again. The Titans will win the division in the AFC South. The Texans won it last year. The Chargers, or excuse me, the Titans will win it this year at nine and seven. The Chiefs will win the AFC West again. And the wildcard teams will be the Bills, Browns, and Colts. That's in the AFC NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys, who with the who ha- had a good draft uh, with CD. With uh, with CD Lamb is a yeah CD Lamb right CD Lamb picked up on the Dallas Cowboys yeah, CD Lamb, just wanted to make sure I got that right. C.D. Lamb, nice addition to the draft. Amari Cooper who should be very good. They got rid of the old fossil that is Jason Witten. Coach Clapp is gone. They got a real coach in there. Mike McCarthy, who should do well for him. Dak Prescott will be motivated without his contract extension. Zeke should be Zeke and will and should eat and should be the Zeke Elliott that we've come to know and appreciate. Uh the Dallas Cowboys will play well and they will win the division at 10 and 6. They're over under is at nine and a half. I go over, they will win the division at ten and six. Philadelphia Eagles, who won the division last year, they're already banged up, and that's we're just in training camp. They wasted a pick, in my honest opinion, selecting Jalen Hurts with their second round pick. They will finish nine and seven seven because Doug Peterson is one hell of a football coach and, and Carson Wentz has Carson Wentz has got that it factor in him. But they will go 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs, finish second in the NFC East. The New York football Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles over-under, by the way, is at 9 and a half in case you wanted to bet that. The New York Giants taking care of my uh, listeners that bet here on the program. Um, the Giants, they're over-under at 6 and a half. They will go 6-10. and 10. Joe Judge... Oh no. Let's see uh let's see what he does. They got Shermer out of there. Saquon Barkley will definitely show and perform Danny Dimes. Let's see if he keeps it up and uh you know let's hope the Giants make some headway of uh, rebounding, you know, first season without Eli Manning. So let's see how they how the New York football giants do I have them finishing third at six and ten. Washington Redskins, or excuse me, the football team. I look me personally until they get an actual name and football team is not a name that's again I'm calling take it for what it's worth like me hate me whatever you want to go. I'm not we called them the Redskins for a, for a hunt, for about for what 80 years all of a sudden it's it's uh, against the Ten Commandments to call them the Redskins now look until they get a team name, which will be after the 2020 season, I'm I on this show will call them the Washington Redskins because A, it saves time, and B, that's what I I've known them to be as for the last 15 years I've been a football fan. So the Washington Redskins, who were who got the second pick in the draft and Chase Young, who definitely help the team, but it's time that Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Proves whether he wants to be a uh, a slouch or he wants to be big time. Alex Smith made the team coming off of that broken leg. That gruesome broken leg injury he had in November of 2018. So we give him props. Uh, the Redskins won't be the worst team in football. They'll go 5-11 and 11 and finish in last place in the NFC East there. Over under is at 5.5 wins. Uh, in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers Will win that division. Will go 11 and 5 to win that division. They wasted a pick on Jordan Love, who, as far as as far as I've heard, uh, so far in training camp, he's been an absolute disgrace to watch. He stinks. Can't throw the football. Can't hit a broadside of a bond when it comes to throwing the football. So that that's a wasted pick. Uh, and you know, had a chance to give Aaron Rodgers weapons, which for whatever the reason they refuse not to do. Aaron Rodgers will play not a chip. He will play with a boulder. On his shoulder, and he will show up and show out and lead the Packers to an eleven and five record and win the NFC North. The Vikings will finish second as a wild card team. Kirk Cousins should have some improvement. They will go nine and seven. The Packers over number over under for the year's nine wins. I go to over for that. Minnesota's over under at nine wins. I'll go exactly at nine wins as the Vikings will pick up that first wild card spot. The Bears go seven and nine because Matt Nagy is Matt Nagy. Uh, they will start Mitch Trubisky instead of Nick Foles to begin the season, and uh, and we will go from there. Khalil Mack, he's a hell of a defensive talent, but he doesn't necessarily make the players around him better. You got to be fair, and the Bears will be competitive, but they will miss the playoffs and go seven nine and finish third in the NFC North. The the uh, the Detroit Lions and but and the Bears over under. For the season is at eight and a half, which I think is eh, not high, but I will go. I will take the under on that one. The Detroit Lions, their over/under number is six and a half. I'll go under at five and eleven. That the, the franchise is cursed. Matt Patricia is not a big-time NFL head coach. The the Lions will have a bad season. and will finish five and eleven. NFC South, the New Orleans Saints will win the division. And finish at 11, and a finish at 11 and five. The New Orleans Saints over unders at 10 and a half. I go over. Uh, the team might have been brought closer by what Drew Brees said about the anthem. He, from what I've seen, that Drew Brees really regrets what he says and is looking to to change and to be and to be an ally for the members of the of, of the uh, of the black community. So, and you know, and the t- clock's ticking on Drew Brees' career to win a second championship. So we will see if Drew Brees will show up and show out there. Of course, we got Cam Jordan, best wide receiver in football, and Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara is still sitting there. The Saints will win the NFC South once again at 11-5, and, and will get the best record in the NFC South. Best record in the AFC, because I didn't get to it already, will be the Baltimore Ravens at 12-4. Uh, coming, coming in in second, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Change of scenery for Brady and Gronk. There will be some growing pains there. Considering the fact they did not play, that uh, Brady, of course, is up there in age. Gronk missed the year. Change of scenery, new playbook, new coach, new coaching, new players, new coaching regime, new system. There will be some growing pains there. If you don't think so, you are nuts. Uh, and the Buccaneers finished second place at nine and seven. The Buccaneers over under is at nine and a half. They'll finish nine and seven and in second place and will snag up that second wild card spot. The Atlanta Falcons will finish eight and eight at five hundred. They'll be better. Their over/under is at seven and a half. I will go slightly over on that. Gurley, let's see if a change of scenery will help him, but uh, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Uh, defense is also very spotty, so they'll be right around. They'll be right around mediocre at eight and eight. Uh, coming in last is the Carolina Panthers. They are in a rebuilding mode right now, so we won't give them any crap. They'll finish in last place at four and twelve. Uh, with the, the Buccaneers getting the wild card and the Saints winning the division and getting the second wild, or excuse me, getting uh, the best record in the NFC, with the Buccaneers getting the second wild card spot. In the West, the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, that's right, the Seattle Seahawks will f- win the division at 10-6. and six. They'll win it by a game that nearly won the division last year. They came within a game, a game, not even a game. They came within an inch of winning the division, and they were an inch away of winning the division. And who knows how the NFC playoff picture would have panned out. They will win the division at 10-6. and six. Russell Wilson will do his thing. Pete Carroll will do his thing. DK Metcalf will show up and show out. Hopefully, Chris Carson and their running backs can stay on the field long enough to perform so they don't have to drag – Marshawn Lynch off you know out off of the Oakland streets to suit up for him but hopefully the Seahawks will show up and I think they'll win the division with the 10 and 6 record coming in second and the Seahawks over under in case you wanted to bet that is at 9 even I'll take the over on that and go 10 and 6 with the Seahawks coming in second is the San Francisco 49ers last year's NFC at last year's NFC West and NFC champions you go back in recent memory, outside of New England Patriots, which of course they're an anomaly, but outside of them, you know, teams that lose that lose the Super Bowl, the next season they have a pretty disappointing season. The Rams went nine and seven and missed the playoffs last year, having lost Super Bowl fifty-three. Um, Super Bowl fifty-one, when the Falcons, when you know, when the Falcons lost, they missed the playoffs as well. Uh, the Panthers did not. we not. Did, were not a good football team in 2016. After they lost Super Bowl 50 to, uh, after they lost Super Bowl 50 to the uh, to the Broncos. The Super Bowl 49. You know the uh, when the Seahawks lost. They lost in the divisional round against the Panthers and their Super Bowl 50 quest. So you go back in recent memory, teams outside of the Patriots, teams that lose Super Bowl, they don't do well the next season. And nine times out of ten, you know they're competitive. But you know the Rams missed the playoffs, the uh, the Panthers missed the play, the Falcons. Miss. I think this, the the 49ers will be competitive, and you know, in my you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo, he's good. But I don't know if he's if he's great, you know. And and you know, rushing you know rushing for two hundred and twenty yards, twenty five carries, you know you can only do that, but so much. Eventually, like in the Super Bowl, when you got to play from behind and the ball's got to be in your quarterback's hands to win it, I'm not exi- entirely confident that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will bring his team home. He didn't in Super Bowl had you know. Had uh, I think that was Ted Ginn wide open downfield and he overthrew him and that and that's what cost the 49ers. Uh, and and Kyle Shanahan is not is not Bill Walsh under any circumstances. In case you didn't know that already, they'll make the playoffs as a wild card team, but I don't think they'll win the division. They'll get that third and final wild card spot at nine and seven, finished in second place. The San Francisco 49ers over under is at ten and a half. I will go the under on that. The Arizona Cardinals will finish the season at seven and nine, and in third place, um, the Cardinals over under, right quick, is at seven and a half. I will go the I will go exactly at the seven on that. The Arizona Cardinals should play well. Kyler Murray in the second season will play well. Larry Fitzgerald coming back from another season, with a legend, all time great. He is. They'll be better, and they will be, and strides of improvement will be made by the Arizona Cardinals. They'll be competitive, but finish at seven and nine. Over under at seven and a half. I will pick them at to finish at seven and nine. The L.A. Rams. Let's hear the music first. Give me, a, give me, give me a chance to get myself together, Jay. I've been doing a lot of talking. Okay. last team the LA Rams favored at 9 wins over under is at 9 which I think is too high I'm not sold on Jared Goff uh, and again just because Aaron Donald's on the team doesn't necessarily he's going to make the linebacker core of the secondary better uh, and they lost Todd Gurley which will hurt them granted he never he wasn't the same essentially from their 2018 Super Bowl run on I think that 2018 season was sort of like lightning in a bottle. It was a fluke. I don't think the Rams would be that good. I'll go the under at six and ten, finish in last place. I just I'm, Jared Goff does does nothing for me. I'm sorry, and I think the little magic pixie dust that was on Sean McVay has ran out. So, uh, so the Rams will finish in last place in that new stadium with their with their hideous uniforms at six and ten. The 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 championship games, as far as the championship games and the playoff games are concerned, the AFC championship game will be between the Kansas City. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. The two best teams by far in the AFC are the Chiefs and the Ravens. If you don't, if you think not, you're either trolling or you're not paying attention. The Chiefs and the Ravens will be in the AFC championship game. They will play it in Baltimore, like it should have been last year. And the Ravens will win. The Ravens will be your AFC champions and will go on to play in Super Bowl 55. In the NFC side, you will have the Packers and the Saints. I don't think the 49ers, again, teams uh, outside of... You you lose Super Bowl, it it does something to you, and, and you don't return to the NFC championship game or the conference championship game in general, let alone the Super Bowl. So I don't think the 49ers are going. And plus, in the NFC... I'm not so, you know, the Vikings, no thank you, Buccaneers. Uh, uh-uh. uh. There's, there's not a team that's that's. There's no Super Bowl contender in the NFC East. A lot, two good teams and two bad teams. It's not so. I'm going with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, I think, has a chip on his shoulder, has a big chip on his shoulder for the that, that is essentially what, ha- what he did to Brett Favre is now being done back to him in return. Except that, you know, Jordan Love is not a patch on Aaron Rodgers. You know what? But uh, and they and they made it to the AFC to the NFC championship game and and were abysmal in the game. I think that they returned back to that game and Rodgers got something to prove. Been ten years since they last played the Super Bowl. The Packers will make it to the NFC championship game. Their opponent, and I will pick them again because it's about time that they actually come through. And it's only a matter of time until eventually my pick is proven correct. And that will be the Green Bay Packers will win not win, but the Green Bay Packers will go up against the New Orleans Saints who will clinch best record in the NFC South. They will win best record in the NFC South and will get the number one seed in the NFC finishing at 11-5, and winning the NFC South. It will be Packers and Saints in the, Super Bowl, in the Superdome in the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl will be Saints and Ravens in, in Tampa, Florida Raymond James Stadium Super Bowl 55. 20 years ago, the Ravens won their first championship at the hands of Trent Dofer at quarterback with Jamal Lewis in the backfield and Shannon Sharp as the tight end with Ray Lewis on defense. Brian Billick, the head coach, 20 years later, same location at in Tampa, Raymond James Stadium with the game on CVS, ironically enough. Uh, The Ravens will go to the Super Bowl and go up against the Saints, who, again, they should have beaten. They should have beaten Minnesota in a wild card game uh, back in January. They got robbed. They should have won. The, they should have put the game away. But, the, but, uh, but with discretion, they were also robbed at the end of the championship game against the Rams in 2018 too. It's been 11 years since they've been to the Super Bowl. It's about time that Drew Brees and company make a trip back. And I think Super Bowl 55. We are so fortunate to make it to through an NFL season uninterrupted because of COVID. Super 55 will be between the Baltimore Ravens and the New Orleans Saints. And the 2020 NFL champions will be the Baltimore Ravens. Look, I'm pretty sure that loss against the Titans humbled them. I, I, I know that loss humbled them they have something to prove Lamar Jackson I'm pretty he's tired of me and everyone else saying 0-2 in, in playoff games they've won one playoff game since their Super Bowl championship eight years ago when they defeated the 49ers they've won one playoff game that was a wild card game in 2014 against the Steelers they've won one playoff game since they lost the, the next week against the Patriots and of course they lost to the Chargers and they lost to the Titans and they've missed the playoffs anything else the Ravens twenty twenty. It's the twenty fifth season anniversary in the history of the franchise. Twenty years since their first championship. It's it was there. Ironically enough, it's at the same location it was twenty years ago. Games on CBS, which always works in the Ravens' fair because the two times the Ravens have played in Super Bowls, the games have been broadcasted on CBS, which you also have to take that into account. And the last time the Saints were in the Super Bowl, the game was broad. The game was played in Florida, and the game was broadcast on CBS. I'm the only only me would would find this cert would find this stuff and would and would have it play into my predictions of what goes on on the field. But the Ravens will be your Super Bowl 55 champions over the New Orleans Saints. And the Ravens will get their third Lombardi Trophy in franchise history, 25th anniversary, 25th anniversary season, 20 years since their first championship. They will bring home the Lombardi Trophy to back to Baltimore, beating the New Orleans Saints in Super Bowl 55. Give you a couple of awards right quick. Um, NFL MVP. NFL MVP will go to Drew Brees. I think he'll have a phenomenal season and will set the world on fire, and will uh, lead the Saints to the Super Bowl. Michael Thomas, one of the one of the best uh, wide receiver performances in recent memory, will win Offensive Player of the Year. His uh, him and breeze will bring home the hardware, but will lose the Super Bowl. Defensive player of the year, that will go into Nick Bosa. Offensive rookie of the year is Joe Burrow. Don't believe me, just watch. Isaiah Simmons will win defensive rookie of the year for Arizona. I told you Arizona will be competitive. He will be a big reason why. He and Kyler Murray and, of course, the great Larry Fitzgerald. Comeback player of the year will be Cam Newton. I think he'll have a monster season. You know, my buddy Brendan texts me. You know, love he loves Cam Newton. He's disrespected. Got a raw deal and everything else. He will come to... New England with something to prove, which I'll be all for, and I'll be rooting for Cam all season long. He's because he's a good guy, and I think he will have something to prove. He will win comeback Player of the Year. Coach of the Year will be Bill Belichick because teams will act because people will actually appreciate how great of a coach Belichick will be. Not having Brady there for the first time in 20 years, and not having Gronk there, and I I think people will appreciate the greatness of Bill Belichick and. I think they will appreciate him winning yet another division title in the AFC East uh, and going 10-6 and six and leading the Patriots to the playoffs once again. And Bill Belichick will be your coach of the year for 2020. With that being said, your picks, or you're not your picks, but your pick for the kickoff game in Kansas City in front of a handful of thousands of fans at Arrowhead, over-under, 54 points combined. Kansas City favorite, minus 9.5. Kansas City will win the game 31-17. to And that is your pick for the kickoff game on Thursday, September the 10th, and your 2020 NFL season predictions. Tell me what you think. I will be glad to hear from you guys' feedback. Tell me what you think. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I right on the money? Tell me what you all think. I'm interested and I want to know what y'all think of my 2020 predictions. You can tweet at me at the Shield on Twitter and on Instagram. You can DM me at the Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at I'm a tell it underscore T-I-Is. It, Follow the show at I'm a tell it underscore podcast on Instagram. Subscribe if you haven't already. I'm your boy, Josh Shields. Enjoy kickoff for the 2020 NFL season. Enjoy the baseball. If you're a hockey guy, enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Talk to y'all, and it'll be football time. Take care. Y'all have a good one. Happy Labor Day, everybody.